Praise God what he's doing. Well, good morning and happy new year to all of you guys. You look great. It's exciting that you're here for our brand new series. And to start the year by honoring the Lord, you showed up at his house. And I'm believing that this will be a wonderful year of breakthrough and blessing in your life and in our church for the glory of God. Amen. I'm excited to introduce you to someone who's part of the Van Pay family you have never met before. She has been part of our family for 18 years. Her name is Mary. <laughs> What's up, GFC? Mary was, uh, is a Build-A-Bear and was given to my daughter, Hannah Grace, when she was like four years old. She had to have the Build-A-Bear. How many of you remember that Build-A-Bear phase for you or your kids? All right. So she named her Mary at one time. Mary had a dress and all of that stuff. And and she brought Mary with her everywhere. I mean, if we went to a ball game, Mary came with us. Mary had to have her little seatbelt on in the car. It meant the world to Hannah Grace. And uh, Mary came to church with our family. And it was in a worship service like this um, it, on a Sunday night that we had worship. There was a guest speaker who was a missionary who shared their heart for the Lord and what God was doing, and at the end of the message, it was part of the tradition to the church family to sow, to, to give generously and sacrificially. So we were all praying about what we could do to give towards this missionary, and the pastor prayed for the offering, and then the offering plates were passed down the row, and it, as it was passed down past me, my daughter Hannah Grace at the time was like six years old, put Mary into the offering plate. And then I watch as Mary is being passed down the row in, in the offering plate. And I'm like, what's going on? And I look down and my daughter's crying. This was the best thing that was most valuable to, to Hannah Grace. And, and she wanted to give her very best. Now, thankfully, the pastors heard about the story, and it was just a couple hours. He gave in place of Mary, probably way more than what Mary caused us, and then gave Mary back to Hannah Grace. But uh, seeds were planted. How many of you know her heart was a heart for God and a heart for missions? So much so that 18 years later, God would call my daughter. And now, probably in the next few years, she'll be going into the mission field herself as a missionary. But it's about the heart. It's about the heart. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm so glad that you're here for the start of a new series that we're calling Kingdom Builders. It's a series about generosity. We are going to talk about money, y'all. Why? Because the Bible talks a lot about it. Did you know there's 500 verses in the Bible, about 500 verses on prayer? There's 500 verses on faith. But there are over 2,000 verses on money. And possessions. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught on were about money and possessions. Why? Well, number one, he knew how much we would struggle with it. There's a lot of temptation out there, isn't it? And, and he, in fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. You have greed in your heart, then that's going to cause a lot of problems in other areas of your life. Right? So, Jesus talks a lot about it, not only because we struggle with it, but number two, he sees the opportunity. 
He sees the harvest. He sees what can be done for the kingdom of God. And he's like, if you leverage your, and it's not just money, but if you leverage your, your treasure, your time, your talents to the Lord, you watch what God can do for his glory in the lives of other people in places of need. And so it's not just about generosity. Isn't it just about money? It's about the heart. For our Latinos in the room, it's about the cortisone, right? <laughs> It's about the heart. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your what will be also? Your heart. Now, we get this upside down, right? We say, hey, whenever I get the feels or emotionally moved, then I'll give and I'll, and I'll give money to something. But we wait for that moment to happen. Jesus says, no, no, no. You give. And you watch what happens. Your heart will then follow. This is why the, the people in our church family who have the strongest heart for missions is because they gave to kingdom builders. It's because they've gone on mission trips. It's because they support missionaries financially, monthly, and praying for them. And as a result of giving their treasure consistently, they've got a big heart for missions. And that's what Jesus is saying here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is why he says, hey, don't store up treasure here on earth, but store up treasure in heaven where it will make a mark for eternity. And then in verse 24, this is a strong statement. Jesus says, it's confrontational. He says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. In other words, you can't serve, like, you can't have a heart and allegiance towards money and possessions and stuff and then also do it to the Lord. If you, it's it's got to be Jesus first. He's not going to compete. And you can't, it's impossible to try to do both. Generosity marks the people of God. And this is my hope for you. As we're in the beginning of the year and we're, we're praying about God leading you and leading your family and our church family. And my hope is that in prayer, part of my fasting here at the beginning of the year will be that you become healthy. God wants you healthy in every area of your life. He wants you health, healthy first spiritually, to have a strong love for Jesus. For some, God's going to return you to that first love. God wants you to be healthy in your relationships. He doesn't want you to have conflict or bitterness, unforgiveness. He wants you to be healthy in your body physically. Your body's a temple before the Lord, right? But he wants you to be healthy financially. He wants you to, to, to bless you. He wants you to be a good steward, not so you can accumulate more stuff here on earth, but so that you can be a blessing to others. God wants, you to God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. Imagine what it would be like if you were set free from the grip of greed in your life. For some of you, you have a scarcity mentality. You, you think everything that you have is yours and you're afraid to lose it. So you're holding it on with a tight fist. And God's like, hey, I can't bless you if you think it's just about yours. But if you acknowledge that it, God owns everything, right, and, and, and really if you have an open hand that the Lord wants to bless in and through you, he'll bless you. He'll bring the provision because he can trust you to be a good steward to bless other people. So imagine being set free from, from debt and greed and, and just the pressure that, that is there. Here's, here's, a, here's a brutal facts. These are statistics, not just for our church, but here in the United States. In 2020, it was a record-giving year. In the middle of the pandemic, $471 billion were given to charities, churches, and other organizations. 
the average Christian family gives $2,514. That's the average Christian family. 5% give regularly across all churches, and that's usually about 2.5% of the income, a quarter of the tithe. The tithe is 10%. For some of you who understand the Bible and the principle of the tithe, it's, it belongs to the Lord, it's sacred, it's holy. And if he gives you $1,000, $100 is to be brought back, 10% brought to the Lord. At GFC, we are stronger than the average, praise God. Right now, if, if we just take the, min, say the minimum that your, your household makes $30,000, then we have about just over 30% of our church family ties before the Lord. But imagine if it was the majority. Imagine if all of us were obeying and trusting the Lord in that area. If all Christians tithe, we would have $165 billion more for the kingdom of God. Now, that's the big C, capital church. But imagine the churches that we could start. Imagine the missionaries that we could send. We could make a serious dent in world hunger. Imagine the water wells that we could dig for places that are in need to increase literacy. This is why we're excited because we see the potential. We can see if we leverage what God has entrusted us with, for the glory of God, we can we could store up a lot of treasure in heaven. And that's what it's about. It's for the glory of God. Another reason why we're talking a lot about it is simply just to be on a very practical level that many of you are struggling paycheck to paycheck. We know that 70%, just over 70% of Americans are overwhelmed with debt. Maybe they have spent beyond their means and, and they're not on a budget. More people recently have declared bankruptcy than graduated college in our country. 90% of every couple who have gone through the divorce process says that money issues was a major problem. We as a church family want to help you on a practical level. Some of you, managing a budget, investing, like how to have the right perspective on debt, what's good debt, what's not good debt, how to get out of debt. You don't know because it hasn't been modeled for you. You've never been taught. And so we want to help you just in a very practical level to be good stewards. Because I've talked to some of you who you've, you've seen a kingdom builder opportunity. You want to be involved, but you're living paycheck to paycheck and you just don't have the funds, but you want to. So if if we do something short-term, long-term, maybe next year, the year after, you'll be able to do more for the kingdom of God. And so very soon, we're going to be starting Financial Peace University on Tuesday nights. We're praying and hoping that over 100 people will commit to a journey on how to manage what God has entrusted you with. And so I want to challenge you to, to sign up. We have a QR code that we're going to put on the screen, but we also have a table in the lobby next to the kids' check-in that you can ask any questions, and, and I challenge you to be a part of this. I am so grateful that Stephanie and I went through GFC's first Financial Peace University class in 2008 at the Hidden Lakes Apartments in a meeting room. My only regret was that I didn't go through that class earlier. I've got so much value, so much out of that. I was able to get out of debt faster because of that class. And now uh, I make it mandatory for all my kids and everybody I know. I was just like, I encourage you to go through it so you can be good stewards of what God has entrusted you. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Because I want us 
to make sure that we have a proper relationship between the money that we have and having a heart of generosity and how they go together. Because we're going to discover three attributes of a kingdom builder and how it relates to a heart of generosity. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 18, says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, hey, don't get, don't get hammered on alcohol, but be filled with the Spirit. Dissipation, what does that mean? It literally means to be drunk or even to squander money. Interesting, right? He's saying be filled with the Spirit. It's like this continual presence, not that you're one and done, but you're continually filled with God's Spirit, His presence. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So as we closely examine and focus on this passage of Scripture, let's discover three attributes of a kingdom builder. First, a kingdom builder has a heart that's full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. He says, hey, again, don't be drunk on wine, but be full of the Spirit. He makes this kind of like contrast. He juxtaposes what it's like to be drunk with wine versus full of the Spirit. He says, hey, if you've ever seen anybody, whether in person or, or on TV, or you, you've seen someone just drunk, it, how many of you know they're underneath the influence of that alcohol? It affects their walk. It affects their talk. It affects their decisions. And he's saying, what if you could be drunk on the Holy Spirit? Like, not, I mean, it's in Acts chapter 2, right? They, these were Christians that were filled with the Spirit of God. They followed after Jesus, but something else happened. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was such a, a demonstration of boldness and witness and how they had, that people literally thought they were drunk. That Peter had to say, hey, it's only 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're, they're full of the Spirit of God. And so when you are underneath the influence of the Holy Spirit, when you've been baptized with His Spirit, more of the same God that you already knew, that it changes the way you talk, it changes the way you walk, it changes the way you make decisions, right? Because you're under influence, the influence of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be radical in your generosity. In Acts chapter 4, they literally took their homes and their fields and their land. They sold it and brought the money to the apostles' feet so they can meet all kinds of needs. They were, they were just so full of the Spirit of God. We need to be full of the Spirit of God. We need to be led by the Spirit of God, sensitive to those moments where even when it doesn't make logical sense that we will meet needs, bless other people. I pray that as a result of us growing in generosity, that we would be the first responders when there are needs in your family, needs in, in your small group, needs in your neighborhood, where you hear about a, a widow that, that, that needs help, that we would be the first one to demonstrate the love of Christ and the generosity of God and to meet needs. Amen? And then imagine what we could do together for the glory of God as we leverage what God has entrusted us with, but that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When we started our church back in 2007, it was the first time that Stephanie and I took a major step of, of, of really sacrificial giving. We emptied out our savings to get this church started. And, and the second time was in 2014, so seven years later, 
we, we had the opportunity. We were entrusted. God blessed us with the land through the generosity of Hobby Lobby, but we had to pay for the building. And so we had, to, we had to, as a church, save up enough money for the down payment. And so we emptied out our savings again. It was a joyful thing, something that we didn't have any regrets, but there was still a gap as a church. And so we just were like, what do we have that's valuable? What is like the... The, the Marys in our lives that we could kind of let go of. And for me, it was my red road bike. I had, uh, I loved my bike, it, it, but I felt like, you know, I, I can, I need to give this, give this, sell it and then give the money for the church. And so that's what I did. And I didn't have any regrets about it. I never rode a road bike for about, wow, about six years. And then it was a couple of years ago, the friend who I sold the bike to came back to me and says, hey, I, I hardly ever ride this bike. I want to give this bike back to you. And so I have been reunited with my 20-year-old road bike, and I ride that bike once or twice a week. And every time I ride, I'm reminded of God's blessings and his generosity. And you just can't outgive God. And it's in, from the little things to the big things, God takes care of us. Amen. And he blesses us if we have that open hand, if we're led by the Spirit of God. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have a heart that's full of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 11.24 says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his where? In his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a what type of giver? A cheerful giver, a, a giver that will rejoice and have passion and joy in their heart in all areas. As we come to, to, in the presence of God, when we worship, we shouldn't do it with a frown on our face. We should do it with a big smile that we get to love Jesus. That when we see each other, we should greet each other with encouragement and love. We should celebrate when people are winning souls and making disciples with all this confetti. What is this? This is joy. This is cheer. It's excitement. It's celebration. But this is the same type of heart that we should have when we give to the Lord. When we bring the tithe, it's not something that we have to. It's something that we get to. We honor and say, God, you're first. Tithing is not for everybody. It's for only for those who know that God is first in their life. For those who trust God. And we do it with great cheer when we give, when we meet. And it's not just about the tithe before the Lord. It's being generous with our time and our talents and helping others. It's a lifestyle. It's a heart that says, I'm just generous. I'm going to give. And that's where I desire to be. I'm not there yet. I want to grow just like you. And I'm desiring that God's going to help us. So we're going to first, as a kingdom builder, have a heart that's full of the Holy Spirit. Next, as we see in this passage, this is a great way to to battle against a culture that is very self-centered, consumeristic, and entitled. The second attribute that we see in this passage of Scripture is that a kingdom builder has a heart of gratitude. It says, giving thanks always. How often? We're going to demonstrate to the Lord and to others appreciation. We're going to say thank you. We're going to have a heart of gratitude to the Lord. Now, this can be incredibly challenging when you see all kinds of advertisements around you. You are bombarded with messages from social media to media to in stores, right? It's always like I got to have more that will make me happy. And so as a result, we're not content. 
You know what else leads to discontent? When you look at other people and you see what they have and what they're blessed with and you're like, why don't I get to have that? And as a result, you're not content. You compare yourself. Uh, this happened to Stephanie and I recently. Like we were, we a couple of years ago made a decision to downsize to a used vehicle that was smaller than the vehicles that we had before because practically two of our daughters left the nest. We didn't need to have a bigger vehicle. So we had a smaller vehicle and we were driving this on a road trip and we found ourselves saying, wow, remember the good old days. Remember how nice it was to be in that that new suburban and, and all the features it had. And the Holy Spirit had to remind us of how ridiculous we were. I literally put my hands on the vehicle and said, thank you, God. Thank you for blessing us with a dependable vehicle. I'm content with this vehicle. It's all I need. And we just had to have that moment. And I'm just transparent before. This just happened on Friday. That... <laughs> But how many times do we need to come before the Lord and say, God, thank you for the blessings I have. We get our eyes fixed on what other people, and it creates entitlement. And we need to be thankful that we have a roof over our heads, that our kids are alive, that we are breathing air, that we have a job, like we have an education. We need to be thankful before the Lord. Amen. If you ever struggle or if you're struggling with any kind of mental health issues or discouragement, anxiety, I want to challenge you. Every day, maybe for the next 21 days, before you go to sleep at night, this is going to help you sleep better. You just in your journal, write down every blessing from God that you can think of. Say, Holy Spirit, remind me. Remind me of how blessed I am. And as the Holy Spirit brings back to your mind, you watch what happens in your heart when you have gratitude. You're going to be more thankful. You won't be, you will become more of an encourager to others. You'll find that you'll have a better positive outlook on life. You'll have more faith in God. You'll be more generous. Gratitude is the, is the love language of God. It's the language of heaven. You know what's not? Destructive, negative criticism and complaining. <laughs> and the, but that's what we see it happening all around us. If you just go on Twitter, if you just watch the news, see the amount of negativity. If you're not careful, that kind of culture will affect your mindset in you. So you've got to be conscious to say, hey, I'm going to make a choice to be thankful and be grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, in everything give thanks. Everything includes the bad and the good. The bad and the trials that are meant to help develop our character and person, those are things that we need to be grateful. It's a mindset. Like I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to be content. In fact, 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. It's holiness. It's, it's being thankful and saying, God, I trust you with what you've given me, that it is enough, that you're my provider. I'm dependent upon you. And so I'm going to be happy in that. Be content. If you have that, you're going to have peace in your mind and your heart. It won't make sense, but you'll have it as God's gift supernaturally in your life. We need to be thankful for Jesus. The cross Every time we come together, every time you abide with the Lord, you need to be reminded and say, God, thank you for salvation. I remember what I once was, but you've made me a new creation in you. It's because of the blood that you spilt that I might receive forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, salvation. We should be overwhelmed continually with the gratitude of the Lord because of what he did for us. Amen.
So first, a kingdom builder has a heart that's full of the spirit. Second, a kingdom builder has a heart of gratitude. But there's a third. Let's look at the last verse of that passage in Ephesians 5. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, I know the fear of God can be confusing to some, but it's something that is healthy and it's good. We shouldn't be afraid of God, but we should be afraid of life without God. A life without a personal relationship with Jesus. But we should have this holy, odd wonder and dependence upon God Almighty. That he's good, that he's full of justice and mercy. But we trust him as a result that we should fear him. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the talents. Do you remember that parable? He takes, as a master, he takes some of his servants and he says, I'm going to give you some talents. And each person were given a different allotment of talents. To one, he was given five talents, right? And that person went out. What did they do with those five talents? They invested, they were good stewards, and they doubled. The, the ROI, was the return on that, on that investment was five more. And they, he stood before the master, and the master wanted to give an account. What would you do with my five talents that I entrusted you with? And he said, this is what I did, doubled it. And the response was, well done, a good and faithful servant. And then there was that one servant that was entrusted with one talent, only one talent. What did that one talent, what did he do with that one talent? He buried it. Some of you are reading your Bibles. Good. But he buried that talent. And the master said, what did you do with it? He said, I buried it. I, had, I was afraid. He had a scarcity mentality. Notice Jesus' words in response to this one person who was a poor steward of what he was entrusted with. He said, depart from me, wicked and lazy servant. This ought to Bring the fear of God in all of us. That we're going to give an account of how we spend or steward what we are entrusted with. Our time, our talents, our treasure before the Lord. Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. We should live towards our lives that we're seeking the words well done. Amen. In every area of our lives, nothing is withheld from the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How many of you feel like you are lacking wisdom in a certain area of your life? Anybody? Some of you are lacking wisdom in your area of your finances. And it's important if you are lacking wisdom and you need wisdom financially, it starts with the fear of the Lord. It starts with this, this great dependence upon the Lord saying, hey, I, I'm not going to be able to do this right without you, God. And so I'm going to honor what your word says. I'm going to obey everything that is in the word of God. And in the area of the finances, it really does start with the tie. Those are kind of the training wheels to generosity to get people started. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? God said, in tithes and offerings. So he says, test me in this. See if I don't open up the windows of heaven and, and bless you beyond what you can imagine. So a kingdom builder is generous because they have a heart that fears God. Here's the bottom line. Every single one of us, every single person in the world, both those who have deceased and those still alive, will stand before God. There will be a judgment. For those who 
did not surrender their life to Jesus, they'll stand before God at their great white throne judgment. And it's a fearful moment as they will give an account before God. But those of us who are followers of Jesus will stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. So let me give you, get really direct. Well, the way you handle, currently, the way you handle your finances, your talents and your time, will that lead to reward or regret? Right now, you have a moment. Make it your aim. Here we are at the beginning of the year, year to make priorities, commitments, decisions, to prayerfully consider. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us in what is true, what is right. How can I be more healthy before you spiritually? How can I be more healthy in my relationships for the kingdom of God, to leverage all that I've been entrusted with, to have a heart that is generous before the Lord? Because the reality is we're not here on this earth very long. We think we are, but we're not compared to eternity. If you really believe that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and we'll live with him for eternity. That's a, you're either going to be living with him or you're going to be separated from him. But it's like your life is like this rope. All right? Your life is like just this tang. Some of us are all tangled up, knotted, need to be straightened out, right? But it's like we've got all this, all this life here. This is your life. But this little blue part is your life here on earth. Some get more years than others, right? But this white part is eternity, where we will live for millions and millions of years. But how focused do we get on just storing up treasure here on earth? And we get so caught up and focused, how are we going to pay this bill? We feel guilty if we're not providing higher quality dog food for our pets, right? This drives us crazy like this. All, all these decisions and anxiety and, and worries, and it's all because it's, everything's right here. This just is a vapor. The Bible says our life is just like a vapor it's compared to eternity. So what if we say, God, while I'm here, whatever you've entrusted me with, my talents, my treasure, I offer it as a sacrifice, as an offering, my life before you, that I may glorify you, that I may store up treasure in heaven, that I make it a difference in the lives of others. Why do we care so much about people and discipleship? Because we want them to spend eternity with God. This is why we are so excited about where the Lord is leading us this year, the kingdom builder opportunities, because we believe what we're doing really makes a mark for eternity. Would you bow your heads? Father, would you help us? Help us to be doers of your word. Help us to be more generous like you are. Lord, I pray for those who are just overwhelmed by 
by debt and money and they're so distracted and it's caused problems in their marriage and, and discouragement. I just pray in this moment that you would set them free as they turn their eyes to you, God. That you are enough, that you are our provider, that you never leave us in want. I pray, oh Lord, that you would help us to grow in generosity, that you would help us to grow in this area of your life individually, but as a church family, that we would be that light on the hill, that we could do more for your kingdom of God while it is still daylight. Help us, Lord. Convict us in areas that we have not been obedient or we've been greedy. And I pray that we would confess that just in your own heart as the Holy Spirit may confess that or shine his light on this area. He wants to do heart surgery right now. Would you allow him to do it? Would you not try to become defensive or harden your heart, but open it before the Lord. Confess and repent of the greed, of the comparison, of not being content and trust in Jesus today. We honor you, Lord. I pray that you would set people free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I just proclaim that blessing in Jesus' name upon your children, God. I ask that you would entrust us blessed so we can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, not just financially, but, Father, with our joy and our children our marriages before you. In Jesus' name we prayed. And everybody said... Amen.